Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well today I'm going to be having a conversation with author Daisy Dowling. She's the author of a book called Work Parent, which is all about working parents. I know that that is true for many of us. I know this year has thrown a real loop on working parents, and so we have a great conversation about finding that elusive and sometimes impossible balance. But first I want to do a check-in with Rue. Rue, how is your self-care? Um, 
Hmm. Hello. Hello. My self-care is, you know, strange. I'm in the middle of this work project. And yeah. I think at this point I can say, you know, I've just been, uh, I've been doing a project that is based around film. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that you have some background in, you certainly have more background than I do. And so what I didn't realize about filming days is that they are just so incredibly long. Yeah. Um, it's not and exhausting. Right. It's not an eight hour day. It's usually a 12 hour day, mm-hmm. but then there's prep beforehand and then there's, you know, a long mm-hmm. commute. So I, I tend to, you know, um, not roll my eyes, but I don't believe that most people, I don't believe that people really work 15 hour days unless they're surgeons. But for this period of my life, I, I am working yeah. 15 hour days. That said, I'm in the home stretch, but I know that, um, I'm not as like healthy and balanced as I was when I first started. So um, what I decided to do was I have, you know, you have an iPhone too. So, you know, I have, I organize my phone in a way where um, I have, you know, a calendar, a this, a that. Every time I swipe, there's some, there's, I, I try to make there be one focal point. So I'm not just like lost in my phone. Mm-hmm. So I created a f- like five things that I need to do, and that's it. Every day, if I can just do these five th- five things, then I don't have to worry about the rest. So outside of work, as long as I sleep, take meds, connect with my kids, <laughs> move my body even just a little bit, yeah, and check my fine and check my finances, which sounds super boring, but you know when you like don't log into your bank account for a bit, or you're not really oh, quite yeah. sure, like. It's just super stressful. So, yeah, and it can go sideways real fast. Yeah. Right. And so, am I spending time with my family? Are my partner and I ships passing in the night? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, all of these things are kind of um, at the wayside, but there's an end. And so, um, I, I just keep reminding myself to hit these five things. And then, when I have a down day, which is today, um, I create a big list and it's just called a list of SHIT on my mind as a brain dump. And I just dump everything on there and I see what I can whittle down throughout the week because that's really smart. Outside of just like knocking things off my to-do list, I feel like it's buying myself peace of mind. Yeah. So on the work end, great. My kids, great. Everything else is a little frazzled. Like I could use more sleep and my brain hurts a little. It's hard to move things forward when you're working that hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's just you. You're just surviving, right? And I, I mean, you know, you would actually love this work schedule because you're such a, a night owl. But I've enjoyed going to bed at nine thirty and waking up at five. And now <laughs> I, sometimes I don't get home until three in the morning. That's brutal. Or call time is three in the afternoon. So it's mm. um, my body has adjusted a little bit, but not quite enough yet. And I'm yeah. honestly just so excited to go back to going to bed at nine thirty. So oh, sure. Anyway, how about you? How's your self-care going? Um, It's been a little bit of a challenge this week. Um, We are recording this on Monday, and the jury just broke for deliberation in the Derek Chauvin case, the guy who killed George Floyd. And so I've been a little consumed with that. I've been watching it. I mean, I think – I know a lot of the country has been watching it, but, you know, just Mm – as a mom of two black boys, it's, you know, it's just, it's heavy. It's weighing heavily on me. And then there was, you know, another incident last week of an unarmed black kid getting shot in his car, Dante yes. Wright. And so I think I've just, you know, when when these things kind of come to the forefront in the news, I mean, we live in this constant reality. None of this is a surprise for me. My boys have been, 
you know, pulled over and searched at the airport 10 times more times than I have been that, you know, this kind of stuff is like, we know that this is true, but when it's heavy in the news, I do tend to get a little foggy brained. I tend to kind of pull back. I'm, you know, I, I just kind of go into myself, I think. I, I think I just have kind of a trauma response, honestly. Well, I can only imagine that for parents of black kids, it yeah. is traumatizing. It's like yeah. it's like a collective trauma because you're all experiencing it. And then you're – when it comes to the trial, when it comes to the trial, you're all experiencing the amount of people in the country that just don't give a shit. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard too. Yeah. Or, or people who are saying, you know, that – all of these experiences are just coincidence, you know, and it's it's difficult that that's denied by so many people. So I'm trying to – like even today, I watched, you know, I probably watched like four hours of the trial and at one oh point God. I was like, I need to go I need to go do something else. Like I'm not paying vigil, you know, like there's this sense of like I can't turn away. I have to look at this and then I have to talk to myself like you're not actually bringing justice to anybody by – marinating, you know, by feeling like you can't turn away. Like a walk is maybe, you know, a good thing to do. Like walk away from it a little bit. I think there are times where we feel like the least we can do is bear witness. And I think there, but there's a difference between doing that and, you know, maybe being paralyzed by it. Yes. Um, Agreed. And so, and, and, you know, you've been writing about racial injustice for years. And this is not like, it's not like this is new, you know, uh, prior to this, you had written about, um, you know, uh, Ferguson, and I mean, this is Trayvon Martin, and it's been it's been, that's your reality parenting black kids. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm gonna try, you know, I'm just gonna try to not look at the news until the jury comes back because you know it's all mm. speculation at this point. And with a 24-hour news cycle, you know, I could spend, I could spend the next however however long it takes, couple of days watching people speculate, you know, and that's not good. Um, which is what I did during the election as well, you know, <laughs> mm. just binging on speculation. So I'm gonna try not to do that. Good. Um, Yeah, it is interesting. I will say there are these moments this year where I've gone, you know who haven't who I haven't heard about in a while, Donald Trump. And it's like a little bit of it's a little bit of space. And, um, you know, I hope we get to the point where these where these awful issues are these awful incidents are are less and less not because they're not being um, shared, but because a, a change is being made, you know. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's the news cycle is. I think for you and I, who we are, uh, what 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 do you, what do you call it? Um, Empaths. Well, yeah, but I was going to say, like we're we're always plugged in, and oh, we want yeah. to. Well, yes, that too. Yeah. Right, and we want and we want to know because we care, yeah, and we want to make a difference. Junkies. And how can we help? Yeah, sure, sure, but to our detriment sometimes. Yes, agreed. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up today? Um, okay, well, next week I get my second vaccine, and I'm Yay. very excited. And um, you know, I know that right now there's a lot of debate about the vaccines, and I want to always show support for those who are getting vaccinated, even those who are maybe um, suspicious about vaccines in general, but they feel like it's important to do this. Um, This is why I know 
you felt it where if you posted that you got vaccinated and then people get irritated or, or whatever. I still think it's important to share because it's like the sign of, I don't know, solidarity. Yeah. So yeah. I found these really cute vaccinated buttons where you can set it's like it's like the sticker button button form. Oh, cute. And yeah. And there they just say things like. I got vaccinated with a little peace sign or COVID-19 vaccinated. And are they a little cheesy? Yes. But is it a way to show solidarity and yeah. appreciation for the science community? I think so. Yeah. So I, I so ordered them so I can wear them like on a denim jacket and I like be that. happy about it. I like that. I might have to order some of those too. I see they have one that says I'm not throwing away my shot like a Hamilton reference. Yeah. So I might need that one. <laughs> <laughs> I um and then I am very much into sunscreen in my you know as of late simply because uh my melanin uh makes it so I deal with hyperpigmentation more so mm-hmm. I put sunscreen on every morning and then you're actually supposed to reapply every two hours but one how do you do that and two how do you do that without messing up your makeup yeah and three sunscreen is so expensive especially if you buy bougie sunscreen which, oh yeah which I do I do buy bougie sunscreen so, so my uh, my uh method right now is bougie sunscreen first thing and then two hours later, or th- reapplication throughout the day, I use very cheap eight dollar Neutrogena, this ultra sh- ultra sheer face stick, and it's nice because uh, you can just kind of wipe the top off with a tissue, so it's easy to keep it clean. And you just kind of it's like a little baby deodorant for your face, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'd it doesn't really it doesn't really smudge your makeup. Yeah, so that is important to me because. Well, lately, I've been wearing more makeup than ever because, you know, cameras are involved with my workday and I can touch up without destroying my whole face or having to like wash and start from stage one. So I am giving that a two thumbs up and recommending the Sheer Face Stick by Neutrogena. See, I have been doing the brush on sunscreen Mm -hmm. over my mineral when I run out. Yes. Which that stuff is not cheap. No, there's like that Peter Thomas Roth one that's really nice too. Yes, I, I have that one. And then I have the Color Science, which is even more expensive. It's stupid expensive. Well, I'm always afraid – like I don't I, – I know if you use a liquid sunscreen, you know when your face is covered. Yes. Everything else, I'm not sure because I've used like the mists. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, is this setting spray? Great. It's SPF 30, but how much do I actually have to put on for it to be SPF 30? Well, especially with those brushes where um, the the material comes up through the brush because you can – like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if any went on my face. Like, yes, it's really hard to gauge how much you're getting on there. So I do agree. That's why I only ever use it as a backup. Like, I use – I actually use um, – the brand is My Shell, and it's like a foundation with this, an SPF built in. So I put that on at the beginning of the day. I would never just rely on those powders as my first layer. <laughs> right. I do the um, the Super Goop. It's the – but it's the one that has vitamin C in it too. So, of course, they, you know, justify charging way more for it. So I do that. And then I'll do a touch-up. And I think – I might be one of those women that starts wearing like driving gloves or something. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. No, it's so funny you say that because I saw my dad recently and, you know, he's got, which, you know, our parents' generation do, but major age spots on his hands. And I see them starting on mine. And I was looking at him going like, I have to start putting sunscreen on my hands. I never do. Well, I, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself brown. I'd call myself beige. But anytime I get like a nick or a bug bite or a scrape, I get instant hyperpigmentation and it's a scar mm-hmm. uh, until it fades away, which yeah. is why, I mean, even wearing a mask has been helping because <laughs> yeah. that's part of my face that isn't getting, you oh, know, totally. um, exposed to the sun. So I might do it. I might do like big hat, sunglasses, mask, driving just gloves and just look absurd do all it. the time. Yeah, just do it. Well, how about you? What are your two thumbs up? Okay, my first one is, um, so one of my children um, has a COVID birthday this week, their second birthday in COVID. Um, And so I have been looking for something, you know, special to do because, um, you know, (laughs) second bummer birthday. I mean, I've had the vaccine, but she does not. Um, So anyway, I found this super cute cake decorating um, kit and... My kids like cake decorating. They're not bakers so much. I mean, baking is fine, but we're really about the decorating. So mm-hmm. this company called Sweetology, they send you the cake, the actual baked cake, and then all of the decorating stuff. And so we got her this one. I'm trying to think of what the name was. Um, it It's like a rainbow candy explosion. Have you seen those cakes where like there's like lollipops stuck in the top and like – just all yes. the different it, candy sticking out of the top. Is it the kind where you cut it open and candy falls out or is that something it's else? It's not. They, I think they do have some of those, but this particular one is not. Um, but it's just super cute and sweet. And so we're going to do that for her birthday. Like that's the big, you know, they'll get to decorate that. Um, and it's let, – let me see what it's – it's called Sugar Rush. And so it's built up with like all of these rainbow swirl lollipops sticking out of the top and like – massive icing. I mean, it just looks like a kid's cake dream. Oh my God. These look so cute. And we don't have to bake because that's not, that is, that's that is nice. That is not the fun part. So it comes with, it comes with a cake already baked and then all the stuff to decorate it. Is that right? Yes. It comes with everything. I don't have to do anything. That is super smart. Oh, the sloth one is cute too. Yeah. They have really cute ones. So I'm excited for that, you know, for that to be something fun for her to do. Um, and then my second two thumbs up is Jenny Lawson's new book. Um, oh, yes. It just came out. It's called Broken in the Best Possible Way. I'm not done with it yet, but it is, you know, she's a great memoirist. She's a wonderful humor writer. She's so funny and she's so vulnerable. But this one thus far is my favorite of hers because it's just really, I don't know, it's just really good. It's sweet. It's poignant. It's hilarious. She talks very openly about depression and anxiety, and I suffer from anxiety. So I'm loving it so far. That's great. I'm going to have to pick that up. Um, This is a complete aside, but the cakes, because now I'm obsessed and I'm looking through this website, (laughs) made me think of something that you have to do if you – now that you're vaccinated, if at some point you can make your way to New York City, is um, they're doing this – Maybe you've seen Facebook ads, the Van Gogh Immersion Museum experience. I don't know if they have it near you. It is coming here. It's coming here soon, if not already. And I, yeah, we're going to go for sure. Have you been? I have not, but I am going. I want to get tickets. Um, I want to get tickets. And I read a review about it, and it was like, look, it's like experiencing art digitally. But <laughs> and so maybe it's a little. I don't know. Maybe it's a little campy. But the 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 fun thing is. They said it's a great way to kind of dive back into just being out 
Like yes. you pa- still have to wear a mask and yeah. that sort of thing. But yeah, um, yeah, I I want to do that this summer. I think that would be a fun experience. Yes, I do too. I'm all for you know the the experiential things that the kids can do that feel safe, you know. But like we're getting out of the house, right? All right. Next up, we'll be chatting with Daisy Dowling, author of Work Parent. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon, so if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. 
You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Daisy, well, I am really looking forward to this conversation with you. You have written a book called Work Parent that is um, so resonant for me personally, um, but for so many of us. Um, But let's talk for a second about the reckoning that has happened in the midst of this pandemic for working, working parents. Yeah, so I think we are at a pivot point in working parenthood. And it's been a very difficult one, but I think it's also an exciting one. Yeah. So the reckon- the reckoning is this, pre-pandemic, I mean, think back to 2019 and how you did your job and mm-hmm. the other working parents, you know, did their jobs. There was a lot of hiding of the fact that we were all grappling with parenting and personal responsibility while mm-hmm. we were trying to be professionals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if the pandemic did nothing else, it really blew the lid off of that. So when you see children wandering through the foreground on a Zoom call, or you hear one crying in the background, or you just connect with another working parent who, like you, maybe is overseeing distance learning while they're also working a really long work day, that forces an openness that none of us have ever really been comfortable with before. We've sort of struggled along and said, no, no, it's fine. And now all of a sudden, we have to confront and we're allowed to therefore connect with other working parents. To, to put what we're dealing with out front and and to address it. And that, I think, can pave the way for some really good things in the future. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. And, and I hope that, that it does. It's so true. You know, a year, two years ago, there was this sense that you didn't talk about your kids where it was unprofessional, right? Like, it, you know, professionalism was showing up with no evidence of having children being this sort of blank slate, you know, I'm just like everyone else, because God forbid, I mentioned my kids, and that's unprofessional. Yeah. And there were all these sort of strange, compensatory workarounds that we all had, like, I know so many parents, and I've done this myself, where you just put a block on your calendar, and you say, you know, work meeting or something like that. And you're really running off to the parent-teacher conference or to your child's school play or the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you leave your jacket on the back of your chair. Having spoken to so many working parents over the many years, I've heard so many stories like that. I've heard it. I've heard it all. Or when you go into interview for a new job, sort of sitting there wondering, is it okay to mention that I have kids? Or Mm -hmm. what's it really like to be a parent in this organization? Mm -hmm. But you didn't want to ask or say it. So we've all been there. We Mm -hmm. can think back to 2019 kind of nostalgically, because I didn't have to be a third grade teacher, as well as doing my own job. But at the same time, we're taking a step forward. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I I have been recently reading um, the culture map from Erin Meyer, and she talks about just culturally the fact that there are some cultures where um, sharing more of your personal life in the workplace is expected or even valued. And it does strike me that uh, up until now, our culture here has really been that we don't share this aspect of our life professionally, that it's, you know, as you said, like you're, you almost, you know, if you have a a kid thing to go to, you almost want to make a different excuse. Exactly. And it all comes from a really well-intentioned place. Each and every one of us wants to be seen as committed and hardworking because Mm -hmm. we are, right? That's right. That's our identity. So we Uh want that to be seen. One exercise I do, and I've been doing even more recently with my coaching clients, is I have them identify on a spectrum from one to 10, how open on a going forward basis now, how Mm -hmm. open they want to be about their parenting responsibilities. And Mm -hmm. one would be never talk about it, you know, just sort of pretend you're not a parent. Right. And, And 10 is talk incessantly and, you know, just sort of never stop, which is going to be too much. Mm-hmm. But where do you want to be along those lines? Mm-hmm. And I, I push people that in the future now, if you don't feel a little bit uncomfortable about how much you're bringing parenting into the workplace, it's probably not quite enough. Mm-hmm. Because we're all still we have this new system and environment we're dealing with because of what the pandemic has done. It sort of let the genie out of the bottle. But we haven't developed those skills. So how do we talk about working parenthood? How do we bring it up in a conversation with a mentor or a boss? And that's what we now have to push ourselves on a bit. Yeah, I agree. And it is that, you know, the, the pandemic has been that, you know, in, in terms of this, that blessing and curse, because as you've mentioned, I am hopeful that we've developed new habits, new patterns, new structures around work and how work happens and where. Um, but at the same time, I know I've seen a lot of people resounding this mantra of working moms are not okay. Are you seeing that too? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Th- this has been as much as I say, oh, this can be a step forward. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, the pandemic has done a lot for us. I spend essentially all day every day, either on the other end of a Zoom feed or down the phone line from individual working parents who use these four words more than any others in their conversation with me. Mm. And the words are bad, fail, guilty, and lonely. And if those words are sort of, you know, just kind of stab you a little bit, if they're strong words, they are, they are. And I, I think they capture a lot of the feeling that parents have because for a year, Uh, you know, depending on your, you know, your personal circumstances, your career, your kids, we're all dealing with this a little bit and confronting a different set of circumstances. But every single one of us, and I count myself in, has felt like we're on a treadmill, Yeah, where there's no off button, Mm -hmm. there's no guardrails. And the speed is really fast. And if anything, it just feels like it sort of keeps ramping up, like the incline (laughs) keeps going up. Yeah. And, and that is a recipe for, um, you know, f- for being ground down. We're, we are, you know, parents are are not okay. And, and moreover, they're not okay, but they also feel, and not just because of the pandemic, they feel very isolated. Mm-hmm. They feel every single parent I speak to, al- almost without exception, expresses some version of, of the question, is, is this just me? 
Mm-hmm. Am I the, am mm-hmm. I the only one? Mm-hmm. And that's a crummy place to be. Yeah. It is, um, you know, and it's it's really when we think about it, it's not surprising that working parents are feeling lonely when we have a cultural norm that says, let's not talk about our kids at work, which means people can be in the exact same workplace, spending time with each other every day, and not have that freedom to feel like they can talk about this issue. So for working parents who are feeling that loneliness, what are ways to address that? Yeah, so there are a couple of just tactical things that I think every parent can benefit from. And the first is to start in whatever small or artificial way is going to work for you. Like take, you know, take a small step before you take bigger ones, but is to create some boundaries. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us have come to think of work-life integration as being an ideal. And and it's a really cool idea. Like you're, you're one person, you're not two people and you can have a work life and a home life and a parenting life. And that's, you experience that as one human being. Great. But right now, our lives have become so integrated that there's no boundaries at all. And that's crushing us. Mm -hmm. So if if you feel Mm -hmm. like you're just working, you know, kind of all day long doing, doing, trying to do justice by both spheres of your life, try and flip that around. Mm-hmm. And set distinct boundaries, comma, where you can by doing things like saying, okay, I'm not going to start professional stuff. I won't start returning messages, for example, before a certain time in the morning. Yeah. Or I will, um, you know, when I go into my home office and close the door, I will allow myself to completely relinquish, at least for the next hour, you know, all thought and worry about the kids just for this short period of time. Um, or even a smaller things. I, I, I kind of chuckle as I talk about a home office. I, I live in New York City. I don't have a home office. I'm, I'm broadcasting from my daughter's bedroom here. So, <laughs> you know, talk about work-life integration. Um, but even a smaller thing, I have one client who keeps a family photo on her desk and she's working from home. And every time she transitions from kind of mom self to work self, she touches the photo like it's a light switch. Oh, and she's like moving back and forth. What that does is allow you to show up and to be more top of game, more fully sort of powerful and capable in each sphere when you're in it because you are fully in it. Mm -hmm. And you don't Mm -hmm. feel like you have to be sort of cooking along 50% here, 50% there all the time. You have you have that demarcation, you have that distinction. And you can therefore learn to transition quickly also between the two, but you'll feel, you'll feel more in control when you do that. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's incredibly important to do back to this kind of loneliness thing is reach out and connect with other working parents. Now, another exciting part about this pandemic has been the massive push in so many organizations to create working parents networks. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's organic and it's just like a Slack channel. Somebody's opened and sometimes it's a big corporate program, and either of those things work. If you don't have access to that, though, think about friends you have who are also working parents, community groups, neighbors, whoever it is, who you can just say, how are you getting on? Because here's what I'm experiencing. And that will immediately take some of the drama down. You'll feel supported, and you'll probably get some good tactical bits of advice from other people who are working in your context. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have been surprised at how much I've leaned on even just Facebook communities, you know, of of other parents, um, Clubhouse, you know, and as you said, I, just learning so much, you know, getting ideas from other people. And I feel like when we feel less alone, it it reduces the overall overwhelm, you know, it, it just having our experience reflected back to us, for me, reduces my anxiety. Absolutely. And overwhelm, that the word you just used is really important because mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know a working mom who is not interested in doing right by both of her jobs, right? All yes. of us are trying to do well. We want to be professional, we want to deliver for our colleagues and our clients and our patients and you know, all of that. And we want to be loving, nurturing, present, reliable moms. Mm-hmm. And right now that, you know, back to the words I hear bad and fail and so forth, those things are, are under attack a little bit. So a couple of the techniques that I love to prescribe to my clients to, to help tame that one is to keep a done list. So if you look at your to-do list, which Mm -hmm. is probably like, you know, 18 miles long. Yes. And no matter how hard, no matter how hard you work, it never gets any shorter. Accurate. Yeah. That that's like a recipe for feeling demotivated. Yes. Because you just can't, you can't sort of make any progress. So instead, I want you to keep um, on post-it notes around your, you know, your laptop, or I like to do it on an iPhone where you can, you know, just pull up the note wherever you are. Um, I want you to start keeping a list of all the things that you have done and completed. And they can be large or small. It can be, I handled a huge work project and got it done on time or under budget, or I threw in a load of laundry, Mm. or I helped my child with her math worksheet, or I had a really great meeting with a client who it's really hard to have a great meeting with (laughs) because they're just that kind of person. Throw that all onto your done list. And then after a week, pull that list out and remind yourself of the unbelievable amount you're doing and accomplishing on a regular basis and anchor yourself back in the incredible totality and depth of commitment that you have to mm. to both spheres of your life and both roles. So it's just a way to sort of take a pen and put it into that balloon of, of overwhelm. That's really good. You mentioned the word guilt, and that is one that I hear a lot from working parents. Yes. Um, any advice on addressing that one? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, your eyebrows are going to go up when I say this, which is, I don't want you to get rid of your guilt. Mm. Um, I, I see like all kinds of, uh, headlines and columns, you know, like ditch the guilt, get rid of it. I, I don't think that's possible. And I don't think even that's good. You feel guilty or guilt is the byproduct of feeling like you're acting in some way, large or small in opposition to your values. So if you're a really committed mom and you have to step away from your child who wants your attention to take an emergency work call, uh, or, you know, you, you have to spend part of Saturday working or you know, whatever it is, you're going to feel a little guilty because you'll feel like, well, gee, I, you know, I told my child I would be there or it's a weekend. I should be on, you know, I should be spending family time. And instead I'm doing this, um, that is actually evidence that your head and your heart are in the right place. Mm. You're trying to do the best at work and you feel bad because you're also a really nurturing on the job mom. So, so don't take guilt as something that you can like 
squash, except that you're not the only person who feels it, that it's mm-hmm. completely normal and natural, mm-hmm. but, but it feels crummy. So to try and tame the crumminess, a couple of the things, a couple of the techniques I like to use um, are first restaking. And restaking just means reminding yourself how your actions are actually in alignment with your values. You sort of like replant your emotional flag, even in really rocky territory. So let's say you did have to turn away from your child or not eat dinner with your child because you had to finish, you know, the report that's due tomorrow. Well, you can just remind yourself, I, you know, I am a loving on the job mom. Tonight, I had an incredibly important work thing I had to do. That's work that I do to provide for our family, to provide a safe and secure home and environment for our child. And I do that work because I'm a loving, nurturing, on-the-job mom. And you sort of bring everything back around in alignment with your values. And then the second thing, which is a lot kind of, you know, a little bit lighter, even more kind of gently sarcastic way of taming guilt is to push back on yourself. Like pretend you're your own best friend. And by using one single word, which is really. Hmm. So when you feel crummy and terrible and guilty and you start throwing all kinds of labels on yourself, I'm a terrible mom. I should have been there for my kids or my colleagues or whatever. Just turn it around and say, am I really a terrible mom? Should I really have worked harder yesterday, even though I put in nine and a half hours in front of my computer? Is that really true? Am I really a reprehensible person? And and just keep going and going and going. And you may even crack a smile as you're doing this because mm-hmm. those statements are so far-fetched. Right. They're so untrue. You realize the absurdity of your narratives around yourself. Exactly. Yeah. That's really good. I like that kind of reality testing our guilt. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't hold up. It's, it's yeah. a valid emotion, but it's not one that we need to be clobbering ourselves with. Yeah. I'm curious about your thoughts on how we communicate our needs, especially around parenting in the workplace, because it strikes me that especially for women, we've already been a bit socialized that, you know, being direct, um, as a female in a corporate environment can come off as bitchy as opposed to for a man, it's powerful. Um, We've been kind of conditioned that we have to be really, we have to try to be likable. And then when you add parenting on top of that, I can see where it can be a bit of a landmine in trying to communicate our needs. It is. And where that leaves us often is sort of, um, hanging back a little bit or apologizing. Like I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I have that. Or kind of uncomfortably shifting. Um, Don't get in with what you need to say. State, state what you need to state as more of an FYI, as opposed to a request for permission and do it all in a solutions oriented way. So if you're grappling with how, how do I, how do I say this? How do I say that I need to have tomorrow morning off because it's my child, you know, first day back after X months of distance learning. Instead of apologizing, frame your comments around four things, your priorities, your next steps, commitment, and enthusiasm. So instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I have to be out tomorrow morning, you say, I'm really excited that we're close to getting this document finalized and out the door to the client. Tomorrow morning, I have to be at my son's school because he hasn't been in in in-person school in six months and I need to be on it and there with him. 
for that transition. If if you can communicate in that priorities, next steps, commitment, enthusiasm frame, if you can put your comments inside that four-sided frame, it allows you to, to get across what you need to about your parenting responsibility. It allows you to be authentic, but it also puts you in a really good professional light. It makes you feel powerful professionally. So whether you're talking to a five-year-old who's upset about the fact that you have to go to work or a boss who's wondering, you know, where the next iteration of the document is, think, think about using that frame as a way of communicating. I like that. All right. Last question. We are a podcast about self-care. Any advice for self-care for working parents? Yes. So I think it's really important to find what works for you self-care wise. Yeah. And I have spoken to thousands of working parents over the past several years doing this work. And I am always amazed and delighted by the range of things that people say works for them. I know when people say self-care, you think of exercise, yoga, meditation. Um, those are all, those are all great, but I've spoken to parents who do everything from restore furniture to get their heads out of, you know, all the stress of their day to day. I love to, that. Yeah, to, to have all different kinds of creative pursuits, who have different hobbies, who but it's find what works for you, number one. Yeah, it's personal. It's com- personal. It's completely personal. And and I also am a big believer um in having what I think of as self-care, but um as a circuit breaker. So if you need if your self-care activity is one that you have to set aside an hour and you have to pre-plan it or have, you know, have somebody look after the kids or whatever, that's important. It can be powerful, but it's harder to get to. Have something that you can just grab for right away mm-hmm. when your cortisol spikes, mm-hmm. when you feel overwhelmed, it's 3:30 and you've got a lot of work ahead of you and you're with the kids and whatever, that in 5 minutes or less you can just de-escalate and be back in a good place. Yeah. I think that's really good. For me, I'll share my own goofy thing that works. Please do. Just works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I watch YouTube video clips of old candid camera TV programs. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. They're two or three minutes long each. You can pull them up wherever on the go. They're really funny in a good hearted, um, you know, gentle way. Yeah. And and if I'm laughing, both physically and emotionally, I, I'm not freaked out about my deadline or yep. about, you know, the kids having, you know, a bad day or a tantrum or whatever. It, it's just an immediate reset. And then I can immediately go back into whatever I'm doing with a little more oomph. That's so good. I love that. I think I might have to um, revisit some of those videos today. Yes. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah. And it's easy, easily accessible. And like you said, you can pop in and pop out. Exactly. It's on your own time. Well, where can people find you online? So my website is workparent, all one word, dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my book will be out next month. And it contains a lot of different tips, tricks, techniques that each parent can use like a, like a curator. Yes. You can pluck down the things that work for you your unique family, your unique career, how you see the world, your goals, um, and create a more sustainable working parenthood for the rest of this pandemic and then on the other side. 
And I will say too, it's a fantastic book and you've done such a good job of being inclusive. You have talked to single parents, you've talked to gay parents, you've run the gamut of, you know, the variety of us finding ourselves in this space of working parents. And I appreciate that. There's 52 million American working parents. Mm. We come in all packages and none of us (laughs) is alone. Amen to that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.